0: But I'm I'm a preferred two three three's wild. You're like there,
1: there's some people that they already talk fast, and so when you get it at three, it's it's it really is hard to understand. But then you get some people that talk slow. You turn it down to one. And it's yes, you can't consume it when I'm like in mean the show, talking in slow motion. It's horrible.
0: I think some when I'm in mean, that on purpose because they think people are speeding up podcasts, so they'll do like these super slow fantasy. I mean, it's. Talk like you talk, you know,
2: when when I'm in the shower, I got to put everyone at one because I made the mistake of getting in there with a 1.5 or, or, you know, even a 1.2. Some people because they talk too fast or the sound's not clear enough. I can't hear anything that's going on. The shower's going. I don't hear anything. It's just sound. So uh, I'm at 1.2 or 1.5, depending on who's talking. But three is crazy, dude. That's I might have to try it just just to say I've tried it.
1: It's, uh, it's definitely an acquired taste, but listen, you get to a point where you consume so much content that you're really only picking up 10 to 20% of it anyway. So it's really, does anything that you hear trigger your mind to start thinking about it? You know, it's not necessarily about, I mean, it's no shade on anybody, but a lot of what you hear is the same stuff over and over and over, you know, but what, what triggers me to think about something. And then go seek out more content that's similar to that. I think that's what you get the most benefit out of.
2: All right, guys, we we got a big one tonight. We've got our yearly Dynasty trade deadline special. You guys are all Dynasty savages managing those winners. Of course, you've got mostly winners, but you got some renos, some rebuilds that you got to work on. We're going to help you with all those rosters tonight and more. Let's smash some Dynasty guys. Let's have some fun.
3: Fish, fish, fish,
2: fish. What is up, fantasy Fantasyland? Welcome for our special edition tonight. Happy Thanksgiving Eve for all our American friends out there. I'm I'm the only north of the border here, so I should just act like I'm down there with you guys, eating, getting ready to eat turkey and mashed potatoes and all kinds of pies and all the goodness. How pumped are you guys? For Thanksgiving tomorrow. I know, Theo, it's a big deal for you. It's
0: uh th- Thanksgiving's uh, one of my favorites. I, I love the triple header. Uh, so I get the triple header NFL games, and then I'm tilting a little bit. I'm going to wake up early, watch a little World Cup, then I'm going to hit the gym. So I'm going to try to get it all in right before <laughs> and then just enjoy. So it's going to be a-, a loaded day. So I'm going to try to set as many lineups as possible uh, later this evening when waivers clear. And uh, it's a it's a really important week for a lot of my dynasty teams. A lot of my redraft teams. I know it is for you guys as well. Uh, so we're, we're, we're grinding in the goat district. We got a awesome, awesome guest. Uh, we had Austin Martin on last week and, and now we, we got my man Scott Connor on. So I'm, I'm fired up.
2: Yeah. I mean, there, there's no other guy that we, as soon as we said we were doing this show, this was the first guy that came to mind. One of our favorites for sure. Uh w- what did I was trying to look up what our, our buddy Austin Martin called him today. that he's a top Quintuplets or the quadruplets, or I don't know what the heck he was saying, but basically saying this is one of the best minds in dynasty in fantasy and football period. Scott Connors, welcome back to the district, brother.
1: Guys, this is an awesome time. Uh, I echo everything Theo said about this is the the most fun week of the year because it signifies like the inflection point in the fantasy season, I think for not just dynasty, but definitely redraft. It's the last week of FFPC, first week before the playoffs. Everybody, you're starting to see the collection of players that are in in waivers now that can't be picked up, that people have already dropped. So it's, it's that week where you get early football. I, I'm like sharing a brain with Theo because I'm waking up in the morning, setting all my lineups, going to the gym. Then it's like, all right, now the day starts. There's going to be some football. There's going to be some eating, but yeah, it's it's a great day. It's my favorite week of the year for fantasy football. So I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, welcome. And then, uh, Scott, share with everybody. You're you're all over the place these days. Um, you're putting out tremendous content, and you're doing it um, in a number of places. So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find your work?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we have uh, our trades in five channel. Uh, a lot of people on YouTube know us from Dynasty Trades in 5. We live stream every Saturday, every Tuesday night, uh, do random videos throughout the week too, mostly Dynasty-centric content for that. Um, I do have a new podcast that I'm doing once a week, uh, the Dynasty, the Destination Dynasty show, the flagship destination uh, show on Destination Devi. Uh, so check that out. Uh, do right for DLF. And then obviously teaming up with my man Jay Reed, Chasing the Helmet, Playing more high stakes leagues this year than ever, uh, hopefully to expand next year. Uh, we'll see how these next four or five weeks go. Uh, but yeah, all over the place, just constantly doing something every single week. So you can find me all those places. Check the Twitter bio at Charles Chill FFB. You'll find it on there.
0: And we're going to try to avoid each other uh, this year in Vegas. Uh, I like I like seeing Scott more on on the uh, on the pods than I do across from me drafting. <laughs> um, you're easy, you're a fantastic dynasty player, but you're you're somebody who uh, has a great deal of respect uh, for a reason in, in the redraft streets. Just one kind of general question is, and I had for Austin, it's kind of a general strategy uh, question. When you're doing your waivers, do you do your redraft and then your dynasty? um how does how do you go about separating the two, just in terms of waivers?
1: Yeah, I mean, the dynasty, most of the dynasty leagues I'm in are, I don't want to say the waivers don't matter, but it's usually, you know, who you're going after, you know, you're going after very specific players for the most part. So I'm searching, I don't know, a list of five to 10 players every week that I'm potentially looking for, depending on the depth of the league, like super deep leagues. Honestly, there's a lot of times where I don't even participate in the waivers because, I'm waiting for maybe a roster spot to clear or I'm working the trade streets trying to pick up a roster spot at some point, but mostly it's, you know, can I pick up the Bryce Perkins, the Mike White types, you know, like I'll get, I'll take those guys where I can, but if I don't, no big deal. We're talking like super deep dynasty leagues here. Uh, Redraft waivers. I I have a little bit of a different process this year. I actually start hitting them uh, very first thing, like the end of the games on Monday. Like, I'm trying to get them in right away, just as, like, give me as many players in the queue as possible. And then you guys know, 36 hours goes by. By the time you get to Wednesday night, it's like, nah, I really don't want to pick that guy up. The injury isn't as bad as you thought. Or, man, this one wasn't on my radar 36 hours ago, and now I definitely have to put a bid in. So I'm definitely trying to hit the redraft waivers multiple times, but not not spending an egregious amount of time in one city. Because when you get up to – 30 40 50 leagues like dude you can spend you guys know it's all it's six hours (laughs) you could be six hours a night and it's like it's torture and a lot of times what i found the last couple years especially this year i will drop a player because i'm overthinking it The next week, I'm like, let me try to get that guy back. You know, I dropped all my like Keontae Ingram shares. A week later, it's like I want to get all these Keontae Ingram shares back. And I go, really, what did I replace him with? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it was just another similar bet. You know, I'm picking up Matt Breida instead of him. They're the same thing. So why did I even bother? You know what I mean? Like it's those kind of things where I'm a little bit overthinking it. So it's really in batches, I would say, this year for my redraft waivers. And then Dynasty is different.
0: Wednesdays, I mean, we love, we love grinding and like, everybody's like Theo, you know, you, you write a waiver wire uh, column and you uh, have a show that's a waiver wire show. You must love waivers. I enjoy talking about waivers, but actually grinding waivers. That's like what we need an off season for everything else is like, if it was just setting lineups, it, it would be beautiful. But when you have all these teams and you got to plug them in, it's, it really grinds your gears, man.
1: And another thing. So we do, we play a ton of leagues in the, uh, kentucky or kffsc right those waivers run at midnight after the ffpc waivers so i'll go in and i'll go man i we, we missed every single share of this player in ffpc i need to go and re-up my bids in, in kentucky because it's like i don't want to get shut out in 35 leagues on this one player you know and it's sometimes i i undershot what they might go for i give kudos to jay he's played he's played high stakes for 25 30 years he has a better pulse on waivers, but there's times where we undershoot it. And it's like, Jay, if we really want to get this player on one or two teams, we need to go to the KFSC and bump our bid up 20%. Or we're not getting them because you know our $117 bid, it was you know $250 plus in every other league. So if we want one or two, maybe on this one or two teams, we need to go double the bid. So that has helped a couple times where we've gotten a player where we undershot what the market was going to be on.
2: I did yeah. that. I did that with even the fishbowl. I don't know if you guys noticed, but guys just don't go on waivers in the fishbowl. So you can go on when it's like first, fun, first come, first serve, and all the guys you missed are just sitting there. Yep. You just add them the, the the Wednesday morning or whatever, the Thursday morning, and and it's uh, nice and free as well, which is nice. It, it, you don't have that option in the FFPC or the big the big dollar leagues. Um, Theo, you want to get into the, the Dino stuff uh, a bit more? Yeah.
0: So we have the trade deadline coming up in the FFPC. Uh, some other formats have their trade deadline differently, but FFPC is Sunday at twelve noon. How do you handle the trade deadline? Are you trading right up to it? Do you try to get your deals done ahead of time? Do you think there's any kind of game theory in the in the using the deadline to your benefit?
1: Well, first off. I know this is a this is a trade deadline special. I am typically very anti-trade deadline. I'm very anti-trade deadline this early in the season. I get it. FFPC is a little different format, but it's not pure
0: I, dynasty,
1: is it? It well, I don't want to say that because I three years ago I would have told you, listen, it's not a pure dynasty league. It's not real dynasty. It's like a keeper league. You got to cut down. It's too shallow. There's defenses. There's kickers. Even if you're playing in triflex where you don't have those, like there's still there's still things where I would say it's not true dynasty, but here's what I'll say. You do you, man. I don't care what the format is. There's a strategy, any format you give me, there's a math formula. JD. And I talked about this the last time we were on mm-hmm. any league. Is just, it's just a math formula with parameters and there's functions and you're solving for variables. That's exactly what we're trying to do when we draft in leagues. And so I, I don't want to say it's not true dynasty. It's just different. I'm not a fan of trade deadlines. Cause I typically don't like, parameters of somebody saying you have to operate within a bunch of rules the less rules the better theo right that's my opinion at least Uh, regarding if you do have a trade deadline though i I would say i typically like to be either the first one to the market as a buyer or a seller i don't want to wait till the last minute uh, especially now like what if there's people that just don't how many times have you guys gotten trade offers where you just don't get responses you send Some them out, you're going, out. man, I'm going to send yeah. out 30 trade offers before Sunday morning. You get to Sunday morning and 20 of them haven't been looked at or haven't been responded to. So it's like, that's so, not your so fault. De-
2: so depressing when that happens. It is. Just like, it ugh, is. Spend all that time, you know, sending.
1: It, and there's nothing worse than it just hanging out there. And then the trade deadline hits and it's, you. it's just hanging out there. They can't go through, you know, <laughs> it's just like, what could have been. So I like to be the first one to the market. I, I do think there's an advantage to be the first buyer or the first seller, you set the market in your specific league. Every league's its own economy. So if you you get a deal done, you've changed the dynamics of what things go for in that specific league. It could be a a win now running back that's got a year left. You know, it could be a young receiver that's injured. You know, who knows what it is? But you're setting the market. So I like to be the first to market, buy or sell. But maybe that changes a little bit because we're you guys have probably noticed in Dynasty how reactionary it is now. Everything's week to week like there are very very few true dynasty evaluation players out there now going man I'm looking at the big picture it's have you been playing well over the last couple games and if you haven't you suck if you have you've been anointed like the next big thing and there's not an in between very few people in leagues I've noticed are going I'm truly building something over a period of time it's all like. Basically, redraft, except for there's longer term stakes involved. So that does change how you trade.
0: Is that a do you do you think that is kind of a way to look at a Najee Harris this year? I'm just curious. He's not on the show sheet, but that's a guy that's lost a ton of value. I know I've moved some Najee shares. Uh, I have a, a lot less Najee now than I did when the season started. I didn't get you know ripped off on these, but that's a guy we've kind of been down on in the GOAT district. What are your thoughts on him?
1: So he feels like he's basically a dead zone running back talent that was given a ton of touches early on in his career. But is he good enough to earn that many touches again? And I think we also know that there's a heavy touch correlation in terms of finishing as a RB one RB 10 is way different than RB two RB two is what wins you leagues RB 10 is what keeps pace you can defeat RB 10 with, I have enough bodies in my roster to get by throughout the year. Right. I hit on the right waiver. wire running back. I have a couple spot starters at the right time. You can defeat an RB 10 or at least a match in RB 10. You can't match Derrick Henry, 2021 first eight games. You can't match Austin Eckler thus far with fishing for the backup running backs on waiver wire. So I I actually think Najee has corrected down to where he should be. He's a, David Montgomery, Josh yes. Jacobs, a guy like that except for when the when the pedigree starts to catch up with the value, then you kind of wonder if he has a couple good games in a row is he then overvalued again? Cuz people really they will value him more when he's playing well versus when you know, did you guys try to sell any Josh Jacobs when he was ripping the league up in the first 5 or 6 weeks? Sure. Half the people in the league are going, that's a fluke. You know, he wasn't with my team when he was smashing. I'm betting that he won't smash again. And they were probably right. So I think the market may bounce back on Najee. That would be the only reason I would favor him over those other guys we were talking about.
0: So actually I actually picked up a little picked up a little Jacobs, but didn't overpay for it. I think people were pretty quick to sell. That was a interesting one. I know JD and, wants to talk about him a little later.
2: Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll get we'll get to Jacobs, but I'm just curious. So now he just popped off RB3 uh, Harris. Right. So after giving you like, you know, in the twenties, like, like really bad weeks. So are you, are you selling this right now? Or, or were you buying prior to this? I guess is my other question. When, like, were you buying the dip?
1: Uh, I won't say I was buying the dip. I actually felt a little stuck with the shares of Najee that I had. And so it was like, I'm rooting for this to happen, but I'm also, I think with a guy like Jacobs versus Najee, the big difference is there might actually be a benefit. You're zagging when other people are zigging when Jacobs plays well, because you know what? I bet you a lot of people wanted to sell their Jacobs. They were waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more people with Najee were waiting for him to bounce back because they want him to bounce back. It wasn't it wasn't get him to bounce back so I can sell high. So I think there's a difference. Like You know when a guy that comes out of nowhere, let's say David Montgomery, last half of the year, that last four or five games, he's actually set up to probably do pretty well, I think. Yeah. But there's, let's say you didn't have a trade deadline. There's probably going to be motivated sellers that are going to be more likely to want to sell him because they kind of already know what he is. They've put him in that box and they're never going to get him out of it. They're just waiting for a window. Najee, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like people knew they were stuck with him, but it also they they still see what he was as a rookie you've heard the narratives all well, that they just need to draft some linemen. The offense becomes more efficient. Pickett needs to start checking down to him more. Boom. He could be right back to being an RB one. Whereas I don't think his skill set warrants that I would bet like what he's going to end up giving you points per game wise this year towards the end of the year is probably what he is. And that's really not that valuable to me given that it's it's a dead zone running back. He just has a bigger name.
0: He's re- definitely seems like a replacement level guy. Uh, he has shown us that he has receiving ability that it just really hasn't happened this year. So I don't know. He's super interesting to me. Definitely not a guy that I'm looking to buy. Uh, he might be a guy that I kick the tires on in the off season um, for people that held and, you know, really aren't too happy about holding. Cause I think there is a chance next year when, like you bring up the dead zone, like if we're thinking about it from a redraft perspective, I think Najee will settle in as a, he'll settle in in the fourth round like for fourth round redraft like running back Leonard Fournette
1: James Conner yeah. that type this year I think same range yep
0: yep JD let's talk about some some uh some more exciting players than than Najee Harris though all right I was gonna stay at running back and go Jacobs but you
2: know what let's keep that for later let's keep it for later let's keep it for later let's take it back you want to take it back or you want to go Jacobs I want to you-
0: go Super Bowl MVP last year JD. all right that's
2: that's where we're going that's where we're going so as we all know, Super Bowl MVP, wide receiver, one just smashing fantasy leagues last year. We're talking about Cooper Cup, obviously coming off of the injury. I mean, he's, he's at wide right receiver, two fantasy points per game. But now you're kind of in a conundrum, right, Scott? Because if you're contending, you've got this monster on your on your in your IR that's not doing anything for you. So do you move him now? For instant production, knowing that the the full value is not there, you're probably getting your full, probably not getting your full money back on him. Or are you holding on him? And then on the other end of that, if you're a rental mode team or like a rebuild team, do you see this as an opportunity to get your team maybe a step closer and maybe fast forward a bit by getting yourself a piece like Cup while he's available?
1: Yeah. yeah, this has been one of the toughest injuries because it is such a difference maker. But he's also at the age cliff point for a receiver where as soon as you say he's not available, it's not just that he's gone and the impact to your team is gone, but he's also the type of player that the production profile doesn't match the demand in your league either. You know, he's a guy that half the teams in your league are probably like, yeah, I take him on my roster, but I'm never going to come close to paying you what you would want to be paid off for the potential future production that he gives. So he isn't a player. That you can say everyone in my league Is interested in So it hurts you from that aspect too So I, I'm looking at it like when they first went down I usually act on these injuries Within 24-48 hours okay. I want to set the market I don't want to wait for three weeks For shows like you guys to have these long discussions About what should we do with Najee Because then it's like there other people are going to be tapped into that So I, I flipped him in a league For Devontae Adams straight up And I'm looking like okay I lost six months But they're the same dude same that's exact actually, production great, profile.
2: No, that's, I, that's dude. That's a great trade. Cause yeah, you, just, great trade. you just, you just replaced his production. Basically.
1: Yep. I saw him flip for Amon Ra St. Brown. Same day the injury happened. I think that manager potentially gets back 80, 85% of the production and clearly gets the better dynasty asset. As we get to January, they're sitting with a better asset. So that's a smash win. Uh, I, someone asked me, would you trade him for Deandre Hopkins? And I think in Dynasty, we had Hopkins buried going into the offseason. But you put the two side by side, Hopkins is less than a year older than Cooper Cup. And you're sitting here going like, all right, he's producing not quite Cup levels, but damn close to it. What's the difference? You know, like truly, what's the difference? I, I'd prefer Cup, but that's more of a market thing. I think we probably over undervalued Hopkins coming in, just assuming, oh, he's got the six-game suspension. What if he isn't the same? But as soon as we saw after two games that he was the same, he really should be closer to the Adams Cup range than you know where, where we probably had him. So I think that's another one. Other than that, if I can't get a top 10 to 15 receiver back, which is going to be really hard because most of them are young and people aren't going to trade a 85-90% production player and the youth away for an injured Cooper Cup, uh, I've just gone and bought filler replacement receivers. I bought Jacoby Myers in a couple places. I really like him. I think he can give me startable weeks, but you're not replacing Cooper cup. I, I'm, I'm kind of just realizing that I'm going to hold him in those leagues where I can't get that price. So I think it's the best of both. You either sell him for something equivalent or you just try to backfill the production somewhere else cheaper.
2: Theo, well, I'm curious to, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Cause you, 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 you rage in dynasty you're at, you're, you're in a million leagues. I want to know what you're doing with, with Cooper cup right now.
0: So I didn't have an overwhelming amount of Cooper Cup. I have one big team that was – I wouldn't call it a, an – it's close to a monster. It's got uh, some, some weaknesses, but definitely a team that I view as one of the better teams in the league. And I went to the message board. I put Cooper Cup there. I said, listen, I'm going for it this year. I will move Cooper Cup for guys who can give immediate production. And I think it's an odd player – because some of the rebuilding teams have no interest in somebody that age. You've got to have a team where maybe they lost Brees Hall. Maybe they lost Javante Williams. Maybe they they were riddled by injuries. Maybe they have Jamar Chase, and they're viewing like themselves as a team that's going to win it next year. But if you don't view yourself as an immediate contender for next year, like Scott said, it's a very difficult guy to take on because the age apex will be 30 years old next year. Like The best offer I got in an FFPC league for Cooper Cup it was like a package where Terry McLaurin was the first guy. So I'm not, I can't, I can't make that move. You need a better pivot. I need a better pivot than that. And I think Terry's like some weeks we're having him as a low end wide receiver one now, but most weeks he's a wide receiver two. I don't see him gaining value in the off season, And I think that's a, it would be a very short sighted trade. If I won the league and won a bunch of money, it would, it would be great, but I don't think it guarantees me the title. So I don't know it's a, it's definitely like a conundrum cuz I think a lot of Cooper Cup teams you might have an older roster that was really banking on this year to begin with so it's uh it's a it's definitely a tough one uh to gauge I, I think you just hit on it there
2: Theo when when like if and and Scott talked about sending it for Adams that's the pivot like you're getting that production back now cuz if you're making that move you want to win now so if you're making a move from McLaurin That's not really like you said, Theo. I think you kind of nailed it. That's not helping you win right now. Like it's not a difference maker.
0: Yeah. It's like you wouldn't give up a 2023 first four,
1: you know? Exactly. I think think you take advantage, or at least what I did in the leagues where I didn't have Cooper Cup and I was in your spot, Theo, where I think next year, you know, I have a one year window, right? Next year, I think I can win. I'm sending. Devonte Smith, Brandon IU, Cortland Sutton, Terry McLaurin. Guys I've already put in the non-difference-making receiver range. They're wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes, but week to week, they're wide receiver 12 to wide receiver 40. You know, there's a big range of outcomes. So if you can – that's the move you don't make for Cup. You don't sell him for Devontae Smith because basically you're just guaranteeing yourself, you know, 14 points a game for the next couple of years. You're getting some youth, but you're not getting difference-making youth. So I think if you can buy him for that, what we call like kind of the, the dead zone or replacement level receivers, I think that's what you buy cup for. Cause he could give you, I mean, we, in our Patreon, we have a, uh, a guy that calculates war data for, um, for basically every player before his injury. Cooper cup was the second most valuable non quarterback. We're talking super flesh war, but it's second most valuable. He actually had Matt Stafford and himself, as the fourth highest valued stack in the league and Matt Stafford's warp was negative. So there you go. You know, so it it was like Mahomes, Kelsey, Diggs, Josh Allen, Burrow, Chase, and then it's like Matt Stafford and Cooper cup. And then you look at Matt Stafford and he's like 30th at quarterback. So literally he's being carried. He's carrying his quarterback. So I think if you can get him for, you know, that type of price, I would buy for the one year window
2: and i think if you can sell them and and upgrade at another position because you can afford to do it maybe you hit on them on ross saint brown or, or one of those guys that you know deeper in your wide receiver core and now these guys are wide receiver ones for you you can move them for like a stud running back you know we're going to talk about some of these guys now uh, in tonight's show guys that maybe are are not perceived as high value dynasty wise but are winning people leagues and and theo and i were talking about that before we came on on and, and we can get into that but let, let's go tight end first just just because Kyle Pitts is you know we can't talk dynasty we all play tight end premium in these high stakes leagues you can't pl- talk dynasty without Pitts. um everyone's darling at the position you know for whatever reason whether it's arthur smith mariota he, he gave you two he gave us what two top 10 uh production weeks this year so far now with the injury i'm curious scott is Pitts still considered like a top tight end for you, top two or three tight end for you, maybe three more, uh with with um you know the current status at the position? And is he what are you doing with him? Is he someone you're buying now that the the cost has gone down or his value's gone down with injury? How are you handling Cal Pitts right now in Dynasty?
0: And I'll just preface this, Scott, where I sold, had my my highest stakes. Yes, sorry, my I forgot highest it, yeah. stakes dynasty league. Is a rotoviz TriFlex flex league that I split with our, our man Noah uh G-Dub from the from the hard way, who's listening to this show probably when it when it either now or later. We traded Kyle Pitts. We have a contending team. I think it's a top three roster in the league. We traded Kyle Pitts for Greg Dulcich, Chris Godwin, and a 2023 second-round pick in Triflex, which I think will be like a mid to late second, but in TriFlex out, I'll, I'll be able to turn that into something. So I think the market is still super hot for him. Interested to see how you're you're playing uh, the pits market right now.
1: I've been selling, and I think it's two it's twofold. It's one, the quarterback landscape next year is looking very bleak. I think there's a very good chance that Atlanta looks very similar to what they do this year next year. So I don't think we get this, you know, if, if you look at them, especially if you look at what they're doing and you look at all the things we would look at for fantasy points, a lot of what they're doing is actually working from an NFL perspective. Marcus Mariota is a top half of the league in terms of being an efficient passer. We just look at it and go, it's low volume. It's not really high quality. He's leaving a lot of fantasy points on the field. He's getting a lot of empty targets. So like, we don't like it, but you look at it and you go, it's essentially like looking back at, the Titans when they had AJ Brown and trying to feed two AJ Browns and they wouldn't have been able to do that. You would have been frustrating. So it's almost like you need that situation to change, but the motivation of what would change it, I I don't think is nearly as on the the verge of happening as what we think, Uh, especially if Atlanta keeps winning. I mean, there's a world where they make the playoffs. There's a world, they beat Tampa Bay at the end of the year. They're the division champs and they're going, let's just run it back next year. Right. We got to get
0: get rid of, we got to get rid of Arthur Smith. Don't even, don't even
2: put that out in the universe. Uh, But guys, uh, guys, they, they're still a top 12 scoring offense right now in the
1: NFL. Exactly. And Arthur Smith's not the problem for fantasy. We don't like him, but it's almost like saying is Mike Vrabel the problem? No, he's not the problem. He hasn't ever been the problem for fantasy though. We're going, yeah, we don't like the Titans offense. It's actually a wasteland. So it's the same thing. I mean, it's really has turned into the exact same thing. So that's the first thing. Uh, The second thing is, I think that the market still views Kyle Pitts way, way above other tight ends. If you're just looking at impact or like what I was talking about earlier, like Warp, he's a lot closer to what I'm going to want for Dallas Goddard next year, David Njoku next year. He's way closer to that than he is to definitely way closer to that than he is Travis Kelsey, but even Mark Andrews. And there's other guys, I think, next year in redraft. Are we going to take Kyle Pitts in the second round next year? No is third round how, next year? How far no. ahead is
0: how far ahead do you have TJ Hawkinson right now?
1: I think he's in the same, he's in the same tier with those other guys I mentioned. And where Goku do you, where, got,
0: where do you put Pitts like if you're
2: ranking kind of range? See, dynasty. that's the
1: thing. If you put him in dynasty, he's easily in the top three. Hon- honestly, yeah. for what we talk about from like a dynasty market value perspective, I would almost rather have Kyle Pitts. We, we talked about this on trades in five last night. If the clock strike midnight, And it's February and you're doing a brand new startup. Who would you rather draft Kyle Pitts or Travis Kelsey? And a lot of people said, Travis or Kyle Pitts because I'd rather have that asset on my team for the next eight months until it matters. Then I'm sitting there. Is there a time during that period where I can cash out? So I've been selling. Um, I sold him in a league uh, two weeks ago before the injury. Uh, I sold him for what's a top three pick next year and a middle of the pack. 24 first. I'm just sitting there going, like you're giving me two firsts to play with. I already had David and Joku on that roster. I feel confident that I'm going to be able to turn those assets into. Are you production. contender?
2: You're not contender on that team. I'm, right?
1: I'm one of the top teams. Oh, okay. Because I'm looking at it going, all right. I have David and Joku. If he comes back, I can get by. I have him and Dawson Knox or him and Evan Ingram. I can get by. But man, you're given a stud contending team, two firsts to work with. You know, I think there's going to be a point where Kyle Pitts market levels off and what's the worst that could happen in two years. He gets to a point where he's unattainable, but he's not really unattainable, right? Like you're just going to have to pay the market price if you want to get him back. So he, he just feels like one of those assets that if you can get that type of price on, it, it may not change for a couple of years. And he's a damn good player. He's like fifth in the league in tight end market share. But what does it matter if it's, you know, the, a, a four inch pizza, who cares if you're getting a third of it? doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: And and Scott, you make an interesting point that if he gains his value in two years, the appeal goes down even a little bit because we've held him to such high standards of being a twenty-one-year-old, where I think the appeal for him was he was going to give us this incredible production at twenty-one. So if he has, you know, tight ends age differently, but I, I think it's kind of like people are like, eh, you know, that's cool. He's like a top-six tight end when he's twenty-five years old. That's not, you know, that's not like moving the needle. Um, in terms of how much value, I think kind of the, the, the unknown almost plays a factor here where JD brings up the mulligan, you know, people are looking at this season, like, you know, the, the context of the offense and a lot of factors bringing him down. I had a second trade when he was healthy. It was after he had a pretty big uh, game. I moved him for a 2023 first Javante Williams and Gerald Everett. So like, and that was with one big game this year. So I don't know. He's, super interesting guy but i think it's it's very telling when when you're getting out from uh, from your kyle pitts shares i think that's something people need to pay attention attention to
2: yeah i don't i don't mind the getting out of the the kyle pitts shares i am i am curious that kelsey as a contender i I feel and you know we talked about this in the dms today with dio and just because i was working on this trade and and we can get into it just talking about kelsey that's kind of my question coming into this for you, Scott, is like he's an interesting one, right? like he's 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 winning people leagues right now, especially tight end premium, Kelsey. He's got the age thing. he's he's thirty three. I mean, personally, I, that doesn't bother me with tight ends just because they just play old. that's the, you know they, they're like fine wines. um and he's not slowing down anytime soon. I'm looking two or three, three years down the road in dynasty anyways. So I actually bought him today on a team where I'm eighth in FFPC. But I'm second in my division, and I'm one win away. Like I'm playing the guy basically this week. If I beat him, then I'm I'm in the playoffs. And I actually bought Kelsey on this team. I've got Kittle and Waller already. I just lost Justin Fields, so I grabbed Gino and Kelsey for my for a for a twenty third first. It's like a mid to to early ish, uh, not at the front end, but you know, kind of closer to that five six spot. And then my uh, second rounder for Kelsey and, um, and Gino in FFPC Dino. I don't know what you think about that.
1: I think that you can look at Kelsey and say, even if he reduces his production, and as long as he stays moderately healthy, right? A, a catastrophic injury could totally change the trajectory on his career. He can lose like 10% or more for the next three years, and he's still tight end two, tight end three. So like, that's the thing. Like if I'm not saying I would pay a first for Dalton Schultz, for instance. Right. But if you'd pay an early second for Dalton Schultz, that's like Travis Kelsey when he's 37. Yeah. That, exactly. So it's, it's almost like the, the potential difference making production you can get has already priced itself out of what the market is. It's just, you don't want to have a team. Like you wouldn't have a team like that JD, where you also bought derrick henry and you also bought cooper cup you wouldn't make all those moves on one roster but i think dynasty managers are getting smarter now to where it's like people are going yeah travis kelsey's my tight end one in dynasty and it's like that that really makes sense it really should have been like that for a long time because i think people are recognizing the difference between difference making production and just production Mm -hmm. and also understanding when it flatlines in areas of production we really shouldn't be as reactive with players in those range. And the players that are outside of it, you can't follow dynasty principles to price them. It's like Cup. It's like Kelsey. It's like Derrick Henry. It's like those guys. They're, they're it, Really, the true price has nothing to do with what an ADP list looks like, what startup values look like. It's literally, will Theo trade me Travis Kelsey?
2: Exactly. It, it's, it the, it's like the when, model, when's the opportunity there that, to buy them, you know? It's, it's exactly. the motivation. It's
1: the To move them when they're available. That's the price. When they're not, there isn't a price. I mean, that's as simple as it is. So.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane to gauge him. We, I, I did a tweet earlier today. He's, he would be RB two. He would be wide receiver two. And the craziest stat I read was if you took away all 11 touchdown catches, he's still tight end one, which is
2: bananas. (laughs) Guys, follow at the OG fantasy. That was I, I like that tweet actually. I, I uh forgot to bring that up on the screen for, for this specific topic. And I gotta point out that the Harry Snowman, I keep forgetting that this guy is in my league, and he keeps thinking that this is a team that we all own, you know. So he keeps saying you guys, and he sends me messages and he's like, Okay, go back and talk to your team. I'm like, dude, this is my team. What are you talking about? I don't need to talk to no team. I just smashed the accept. I did I did go to Theo and then I'm like, Hey guys, I just got this. This is the counter I just got. Smash except or what? So, anyways, I, I thought I thought Kelsey is definitely. I think Kelsey Pitts are kind of two probably the most interesting. Let's finish the tight end topic. I already mentioned him. Waller, man, what are you doing with Darren Waller, Scott? He's a guy where like a year ago or you know coming into the season he was a top tight end being drafted top three, top four. What are you doing him right now? He he hasn't done much this year. He's injured. You know what are you doing with the tight end?
1: Uh, I, again, that was one of the ones I was actually selling way early on in the season. And I, I made a couple deals. I sold three Waller shares uh, for a Joku straight up. And that was like week three, week four. And those were just spams. Like wherever I had Waller, and I had a lot of Waller wherever I had him. It was just one for one. A, a couple of them got rejected, but a couple of them got accepted. So that, that was an easy way for me to say, okay, I'm making a upward mobility bet versus a a, a downward mobility bet. And I had no clue that he would never really come back End up going on IR. It's a lost season for him. Right. So we already know if you told me, Hey, he's never going to play again the last 10 weeks of the season. What do you think's going to happen to his dynasty value? It's going to go in the tank. Cause he's going to be 31 next, the start of next season. He has a, a history where you can question, okay, how long is he going to last? You know, we don't, there, there's a lot of time. He didn't play football. He got paid. If you follow him on Instagram, he's out there. uh, He he looks like he's having a a pretty good time. You know, he's just not playing football. So it just is one of those where it's like I was willing to make the bet on I don't care about Njoku this year, even though he turned out to be startable for a lot of weeks. um, I don't care. I'm going to have a guy with Watson coming back that really has not produced in the first five years of his career. But I'm glad I made a couple of those deals. And I've made a couple other ones. For lesser tight ends, but I'm fine getting out on Waller because I do think he's one of the guys you could get right back in on if you wanted, because there's always going to be a motivated seller because what's happened the last couple of years is going to scare him.
0: And I'll I'll, I'll add to Scott's comment is I think that's a very good trade. And I think next year they're going to be a lot closer in terms of redraft value than some people might guess, because I think the offseason like. Waller's oh, the, lost the Watson hype, value, right? The, and, the Watson hype's is going to increase in Joker's value just on its own, hundred percent. And he's played well. Waller can't get on the field, um, and there's a lot of the factors that Scott brings up. Waller would be a guy that selling, you know, selling low on is not necessarily the worst idea. Like this offseason could be a little wild for him. A lot of these guys, we expect things to turn around, but once this sort of season has happened. I don't, I, I tend to be a little more pessimistic that it's just going to turn around uh, for a guy like Waller. Question, uh,
2: Scott, you talked about guys getting paid. I, I always, this kind of always, you know, and we side we this year with some guys, with Kyler, you know, you, it, it's like, it just seems like once they get paid, it's not the same. Is that, is that like looking macro dynasty? Do you worry about that? What is it one of those where you should have sold the rumor? I mean, uh, you know, what is it? Sell the rumor. Wow. Can't even think of it right now. You know what I'm saying? Buy the so rumor, to, sell the news. Buy the rumor, sell, yeah. s- sell the news. There you go. That's what I was trying to say.
1: You know, I, I wish I could say, like, I have a process for that. But every every player is built different. Yeah. You know, you, you listen to some of the best of all time, and they're just they're straight up killers. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. matter how much money they had. They're driven by something that's different. They're, they're driven by the next guy that comes into the league that says they're better than him. No, you're not. You know, and that you have to drag them off the field. And we really don't know who's built that way versus who's absolutely not. And they were in it for the one payday. So I think you can look back at probably like maybe performances within the next year after a guy getting paid and, and say, there's maybe more odds for this to happen or that to happen. But I don't think you can just say, all right, this Blanket. guy's, so you know, for instance, like a guy like Jalen Hurts, right? Two years ago, he would have never thought he's about to cash in on probably a 40 plus million dollar a year contract. There's a shot. He ends up being a top five paid quarterback after this year. You know, if he wins a Super Bowl and he's top three in the MVP voting, like he can sit there and go, all right, I'm an unrestricted free agent. You're either going to franchise tag me or you're going to have problems, you know. But I, I don't think I, we can we can say, oh well, dude, he was a second round pick. He hasn't made a lot of money. He didn't expect to be there, so he'll be fine taking less money, and he'll be happy with it. We don't know that. We absolutely don't know that. The same thing with someone like Geno Smith. People think, yeah. oh, you give him thirty million dollars, he's going to be so happy that you know he's going to be so thankful and happy because the Seahawks rescued his career. You, we don't know that. We don't know how these guys are wired. So I don't think you can really make dynasty decisions based on that.
0: And I think, J.D., that that um, the love of football is factored into the NFL draft process a lot more than it was 10, 15 years ago. I think you're seeing teams value these guys that love the game, that love working on it, that I don't think they're as, you know, a, you know bad attitude guys kind of get pushed down in the draft now a little more than they used to. So I don't buy into it as much. I mean, there's, there's plenty of guys who've gotten the bag and then, you know, Increased in value too, so uh, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting one, but um, yeah, Waller. That's uh, that's that's definitely a tough one if you're still holding shares. Yeah, I think he's I have dead. You I, so I feel yeah. like I'm kind of stuck almost.
2: Yeah, I think he's dead. I think like 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 Scott said, if you can move him, you can move him. I, I will give Scott credit for this though, because I'm pretty sure it was him that came on this show and was talking actually about Jalen Hurts and just pointing out that maybe the the Eagles believe in him and like him way more than anyone else does you know what i mean like they, they're already thinking like we're building around this guy i remember you saying that before he started hitting the way he is now and and i gotta give you props for that so guys make sure you follow scott at charles chill ffb on the twitter machine you can find him on his podcast at dynasty chill dynasty and chill and dynasty trades five uh, with our uh, another friend of the show, uh, Shane Manila, who actually sent me an offer, I think, right before the show started. So I got to go check that out. But we got to give a quick thank to our partners, uh, the FFPC. Guys, you can still be playing right now. I know the playoff challenge is going to be coming out soon. Until then, you can still play their weekly challenges, $35, $200. There's a link uh, in the description below get you a sign-up bonus on the site. If you're not already signed up, that's myffpc.com, and they obviously have Dynasty Redraft and all the big tournaments that we talk about regularly on the show. Theo, you have a really good observation uh, that you want to talk about tonight. Why don't you start off the second half with that?
0: So a number of the guys that are coming up in the conversations right now, you know, Josh Jacobs, uh, but more importantly, like a Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb, Kind of guys that have had a, a, that are getting a little bit older but have elite production. I've had a conversation with a few people recently, and I think it's something really more for the offseason, but I want to kind of get your initial reaction. Do you think that the running back age apex should be adjusted? It seems to me that these older backs, and when I say older, you know, think about like the Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, Saquon's 26. What 25 plus 25 plus. We'll call it 25 plus. Right now, 11 of the top 12 scorers in PPR at the running back position are at that age. Um, the only one that is a younger, you know, player is Ramondre Stevenson. Travis Etienne, I think, when it's all said and done, will sneak in there and be top 12. He's like running back 15, 16 right now. Uh, but it's just uh, something where do you think maybe we're seeing a little more durability or do you think this is just a an odd couple of years where we should continue to see you know things in the same light uh, in terms of ajpxs
1: yeah i mean I'll, I'll throw some data at you cuz i think this is this is a fascinating conversation that we have to be prepared to to deal with and i think not just us deal with it but deal with how the rest of the market's going to be thinking about it over the next couple of years because we're at a point where so a couple things are happening. So historically over the last decade or so there is a replacement level value of like where running back scoring is where you would say okay in a PPR league you need like this mark to be quote unquote like replacement value. Historically it's been around like 14 points per game. That's actually moved up over the last couple of years. This year it's up around like 15 and a half to 16 points per game. So you have that what's also happening is the high end running back production is coming way down there right now. There's only a couple guys that are even above 20 points per game. So the difference makers are coming down, but there's more players that are kind of jumping into this like productive dead zone range. So the dead zone is actually becoming fruitful relative to the high end because there's not a lot of high end running back producers anymore. Right. If that makes sense. So it's, it's really like you have a lot more players that are capable and I think we know this, Theo, there's a lot more players that are capable of hitting that 14, 15 points per game if they have opportunity. If I tell you Samaj a. p Ryan's getting 20 touches and Joe Mixon's hurt for the next three weeks, you'd actually say there's a decent shot. He could hit 14, 15 points per game, right?
0: Yeah, I would bet on it.
1: And he's a no-nothing backup running back. He could probably be the backup on half the teams in the league, but I bet you, you would say the backup on half the teams in the league are just as good or better than him. He's just a guy. But if you're telling me that before, so five years ago, if all you were getting was 15 points per game from your two RB spots, you were just keeping up with the Joneses. But there were probably four, five, six running backs in the league that were breaking your team. They were, they had one guy scoring 24, 25 a game. You give that guy a Samaj P. Ryan, you're in trouble. That's why people go hero RB and they hope the hero RB stays healthy the key with the hero RB is they need to actually be a hero, right? They got to put yeah. up 20 plus points per game. If you know you drafted Jonathan Taylor at 101 and he's scoring 19 points per game, he's actually losing your league relative to the guy that drafted Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, et cetera. So I think that's that's a phenomenon that we're seeing where part of the reason for this is we have a crop of 2016, 2017, and 2018. Go back and look at the running backs from that draft class. We're talking – wouldn't be shocked if there's six, eight, ten Hall of Famers from that class. Depending on how long they play, they're not going away. Like, you're you're telling me that Ezekiel Elliott's just going to fade out of the league? Probably not. There's a shot he just has another, you know, thousand carries or more because he just is good enough to where anywhere he goes, he's getting the ball. And I think we can name a dozen players like that. Like, we think – Guys like Joe Mixon are going to move on to another team. Bengals cut him after next year. He goes to another team. Guess what? He's probably still the best running back on half the rosters in the league, even at age 27, 28, 29. So you have that, but now we're going to have to mix that next year with, I just did a podcast on Destination Debbie. We had a draft analyst on. He had 14 running backs going in the first, at two in the first round of this upcoming draft. 14 more going in round two, three, or four of the NFL draft. That's wild. If that happens, we now have that with this golden age of, you know, I was just looking at the DLF ADP, 13 of the top 25 running backs are 25 or older. So you now have all these good rookies coming in with draft capital. So think Brian Robinson, Tyrion Davis-Price, all those guys. Good or not, whether you think those guys are good, we could have – 20 situations next year where it's zamir white and isaiah spiller but they're in backfields with guys we're drafting even higher so i think we need an influx of running back talent but it's going to be hard to navigate and it i don't think we can necessarily say hey this running back that goes in early round three next year which is historically really good draft capital for a running back what if they land in i don't know the same backfield as nick chubb then what because I, I don't think Nick Chubb just goes away and cedes the job to him by week eight, like it happened with Nick Chubb when he came in. I think it's like, man, we're in for a couple years of annoyance, almost to where how you view Zamir White right now. People thought Zamir White would be the starter by like week eight. And it's like, if actually he's playing behind Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden. So he's either not any good, or it's a completely unique path from a dynasty perspective of how Zamir White becomes a starter. So I think we're going to see that a lot more, and it's, it's just tough because we have such a good crop of running backs right now in the league. They're not going to go away. They either get injured or they're going to be in the league for three, four, five more years. I think for Dynasty, you, just, you, buy, you collect those guys until they die in your roster because they're way better than what their market is going to be. That's Here why me. you want
2: – sorry, I was so going to say, that's why you want depth, right? At, at running back, and w- we talked about some of these guys, and and maybe these are some of these you know trade targets that you want for a contender right now, title targets as you called them, Theo. The guys like Deontay Foreman, Melvin Gordon now, who's you know he, he got released for for his DJ choices, but uh, Latavius Murray. Like we're seeing these older guys come back and and be legit RB twos for for your fantasy teams. So is that is is that something that you think is you know, again, like you, you're, ta- you're, you're, if you're chasing a title, you're looking on one year. So is it just a matter of your perspective on the position, Scott? Do you think like looking at the posi- RB position specifically, just not looking too far ahead, maybe a year at a time, will help fantasy owners manage through it better as opposed to looking at it two, three years down the road like they do other positions?
1: Yeah, and I, I do think, and this is something I'll have to study more in the offseason, uh, Ray Garvin and myself are going to do a deep dive on this, but I think there's, a, uh, there's something a little bit different in terms of how running backs are built now than compared to five years ago. There's a reason that a team goes, hey, let's just give Latavius Murray 25 carries, versus they could go pluck players off taxi squads that have the same size, they're probably fresher, they have fresher legs, they're bigger, they're faster, but they go... This dude would break if we gave him Latavius Murray's workload. And I think there's a lot of guys like that. Like we don't see guys coming into the league. There might be one or two in a class, but you are never going to see a class like 2017 again, where there's legitimately six, seven guys in the class where you could say, I can give this guy 300 plus touches and no sweat won't really get hurt. You're
2: talking physical durability.
1: I'm just talking about, I think you're starting to see the impact of running backs coming up through you know, youth football to where it's like there is okay. no expectation that you're a bell cow. There's no such thing. You're a weapon. You're gonna maybe be better adept to be a pass catcher or a pass blocker or whatever. You have, have different you have role. Role. But Rarely are you. I mean, you're seeing colleges now go to systems where it's like our goal is to not use you that much. But for the NFL, like that means you're gonna have guys like Deontay Foreman. He's a great example. That's a guy that as soon as the season ends, what's gonna happen to his dynasty value? Nothing because, well, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen. But if you kind of believe in this type of trend, there's going to be a team that goes, dude, we want Deont- we want Deontay Foreman as our number two running back. I don't know where. I don't know how good the team's going to be. I don't know who his number one is going to be. I don't know who the coach is going to be. But the dude's going to have a job until he doesn't. So he's always going to threaten somebody that's ahead of him. So maybe in dynasty, he's actually a good buy when you get to the off season. It's like, I'll just bet that he's going to land in the same spot. And if not, what did I spend a third round pick, something like that. So that's how I'm treating it. I want to collect as many of these guys that could be in those roles versus bet on, Hey, I'm going to draft uh, Michigan running back, Blake Corum, right on a good days, you know, five, eight and two Oh five great BMI, kind of a bell cow in college am I really going to have to spend a late first round rookie pick on him versus I could literally get 20 Deontay Foreman's for that price. Absolutely. And it's just how many roster spots do I have? I, I'm limited by my roster spots, but it just feels like that's the way to play running back.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. I think durability is a great word you use, J.D. And it's also like these guys like Latavius Murray once scored over 20 NFL touchdowns. I it, That's just an arbitrary number I'm throwing out there. It's it's just a, the ability to be used like a bell cow in a short term uh, period of time. I think that's a skill that we're seeing from some of these guys. Where you know you'll see Scott Scott and you both talk about Deontay Foreman, talked about Lat Murray. Like Lat Murray can give tw- can have twenty uh, touches a game for the next three four weeks. I'm pretty confident in that. And having some guys like that on your roster, especially in deeper dynasty formats, I think is a is a really really a good way of going about doing it. Uh, And I think that using the age apex kind of against uh, people in your leagues, because I think a lot of people are kind of old school where a guy hits a certain age, I want to get out from under him, And I think there's, that's a a reasonable way to play dynasty to kind of cash out continually. But I think you can use that to your, to your benefit. Um, Cause a guy like Nick Chubb, he's gaining so much value in terms of redraft for next year. Like, like think about where he went in redraft versus where he went. He's going to go next year. I mean, he's going to go, Scott, what do you, what do you think? He's going to go up two rounds in value from where we saw him in Vegas in a, in a Deshaun Watson uh, offense. I mean, that's just an example. I
2: and, think he'll be probably goes, and he'll be
0: turning 27, right?
2: He's turning yeah, 27. I think he
1: probably goes early second, mid yep. second, which is, which is about a round higher than where he's going early. Cause on he's not sure. a
2: pass catcher. So he won't go in the first guys. Come on.
1: It, true, but then so I, on the contrary, you have a guy like Damian Pierce, right? I, I'm willing to make a bet just based on the data that I've studied. Damian Pierce is a career dead zone running back, a career dead zone running back. If you were betting that he gets outside of the dead zone, then you're, I, I think you're betting on an extreme because of the
2: offense that, he, that he's in or because just, of the player,
1: just the way that he wins,
2: combination,
1: just everything combined. It, I'm not sure Damian Pierce. Can handle 350 touches to get there without receiving. He's going to need to be in that workload range. Nothing has ever said he can do that for an entire season.
0: Never even had the opportunity to do that at Florida. It
1: never did, but at the same time, it no. Is I'm, that that, something?
0: I'm saying that at the end of the day, you know, people said you know the Florida staff made made uh, mistakes with him, but at the end of the day, if you don't get the touches, you don't get the touches. We don't know what's going on behind the, the scenes, and you know, I agree with you, and I actually think. Being a a dead zone running back for a few years would be a a big win for Mm -hmm. Damian Pierce drafters where they drafted him. He's a super difficult guy um, to to gauge. I've had some conversations with some dynasty players I really respect on how they're approaching Damian Pierce. What would you be doing with Damian Pierce? Let's say that you are not going to make your fantasy playoffs. Would you be trying to get out from under Damian Pierce now and cash out? Or do you think there's a, there's not really a market for him and he'd be a guy you would hold on to?
1: Well, I think it comes down to, if I'm resigned that he's in the dead zone, I don't care about the dead zone if it only gives me four years versus one or two years. I don't really care about that extra year or two because it feels like I can always buy, let's say I buy Joe Mixon for Damian Pierce. I get a, a pick added on top of it. If I lose Joe Mixon after two years, of being in the, because you could probably say Joe Mixon could be in the dead zone for the rest of his career. I think that's fair. But let's say I lose out on him after 2023. I feel like I can replace those years at that time if I need to, versus great. I have Damian Pierce for a couple extra years. But he also feels like one of those players. And that was my advice when I went through all this data on my last uh, Destination Dynasty show was when you build a roster and you construct it in a way where you end up with too many dead zone running backs, that's when you shop the dead zone running backs, but you almost have to cater what you're shopping to what the market says. You know, when you get to March, the market isn't going to want Joe Mixon as much as they're going to want Ramondre Stevenson or Damian Pierce or whatever. So those are the ones you're going to have to sell. And as a dynasty player, you're going to be uncomfortable. JD's gonna go. No, man, I'd rather sell Dalvin Cook. You know, he's he he could fall off a cliff. I don't want to sell Damian Pierce. He's only you know twenty three years old. But guess what? The person in your league might go, dude. I'm, I'll step up and give you a legit receiver for for Damian Pierce. And I'll go. Okay, I'm stuck on a couple dead zone players. I'll I'll just see what I can get for Dalvin Cook the rest of his career, and play it I, that way.
0: I traded Damian Pierce for Rashad White in a third in an FFPC league recently. I feel like Rashad White, I'm betting on him taking a big step forward that I don't think Damian Pierce... Non-contender? Non-contender? Sort of middle of the pack. I don't think I'll make the playoffs, so this was more... I think there's a chance I'm drafting Rashad White ahead of Damian Pierce next year in redraft. That was my bet, and I think that Rashad White profiles more as a pass catcher. Uh, He seems like the kind of guy that's going to be a more valuable fantasy asset. I think he's got a higher fantasy ceiling than Damian Pierce a year from now. But it's a, I thought that was an interesting trade. Um what are your thoughts on that move, Scott? Is that something you would have done?
1: I probably would have aimed for a second, but you know, you might have been <laughs> at you might have been at the point where you're like, okay, this this is the time where if I want to make this type of move, I got to just take what I can get. Again, if you're willing to make the bet that a guy like Damian Pierce is going to be in the dead zone for his career, the move is to take the plus because it's not an asset that should be hard to replace. So if you can make those moves, like literally if you have three dead zone running backs on your roster, regardless of their dynasty value, if you can replace them with a similar one that the market prefers less, but then you can go ahead and get an extra pick, an extra second, an extra third. I've had a lot of success in dynasty doing moves like that. I'm the one that we get to week eight. Guess what? I have a bunch in the bank seconds, thirds, Guess what I can buy with those? Samaj P Ryan, Deontay Foreman. Yeah, I can literally spot start gaps on my roster where maybe a couple of the ones I bet on went down. And it, to me, you're getting a, a spot start of a guy that could give me replacement level production from what you're getting every week from David Montgomery is worth a third round pick. But you can't do that if you only have your stock picks and you haven't found kind of like dead areas to make deals like that. So I like that from that process perspective, Theo, if you think they're similar and maybe one even has a higher ceiling, take the extra pick. You're going to be able to use it elsewhere, somewhere else.
2: I love it. I've got them at the similar value. When you look at the teams they're in the, you know, the around difference where they're drafted as rookies, the the draft capital, I think it balances out. I think it's a good move looking ahead and, and, especially if you don't need it right away. I like the comments in the chat. By the way, the chat's lit tonight. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Smash the like, smash the subscribe. Make sure you're following Theo, following Scott. These are two of the the biggest players uh in high stakes and dynasty. These guys, you know, don't, they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk uh, as I like to say, uh proving it out there in in the fantasy leagues. But let's um let's talk. We're talking rookies. We're Gotta talking about a lot of rookies. Hey, got to get to preseason though that's ex- that's where i'm going dude that's dude come on that's exactly where i'm going we're talking rookies the 101 mr Brees hall deal we got to work on our chemistry man we got to work on our we're up Let's to say, spend we, some we time together, together do some moonlighting i know it's okay it's all good man we'll get there we'll get there brother Scott, scott's profession, he understands but guys we're talking rookies we can't not talk about Brees hall this guy smashed he came in unfortunately injured we see a young, thriving offense that's, that's you know, on the upswing, whether Darnold's there or Wilson or hopefully someone better. Uh, I still keep seeing Aaron Rodgers there for some reason in my head. I don't know why. But um, what are your thoughts with Brees, Brees Hall? Again, you're talking about a guy whose value just shot up, but now with the injury, you know you're not getting the full value. Or can you get the full value, do you think, Scott, with a guy like Hall? And is that worth going out to buy if you're not a contender right now?
1: The, the way I play is when these guys suffer, you know, especially the torn ACL, I'm out as soon as the injury happens. However, you acknowledge that, listen, the injury happened six weeks ago. You know, the injury to Javante Williams happened 10 weeks ago. The price every week that goes by, it it shoots down and then it slowly builds back up. So I'm, I'm to the point now where there are a couple places I traded Brees Hall and I go, hey, you know, the team didn't work out how I wanted. Maybe I wish I would have held on. So I think for the most part, I'm out when a guy tears an ACL at running back just because it's just the math. I'm betting against him getting back to not just good, but again, even if you look at where Brees Hall was producing early on this year, it's still relative to historic production is not difference making. So if you just told me he gets back to where he was to start, he gets back to a level where it's really nice to have, but he's probably overvalued from a standpoint of like people are legitimately flipping him for Jamar chase, those types of players, you know, like that's how high his dynasty value got. So I'm usually out when guys tear ACLs, but at the same time, like you have to acknowledge every day that goes by his values going up. There's going to be the point where, I don't know what, what, when do you, when do we think we get the, uh, Brees hall workout video? He's, <laughs> he's back. He's going to be ready he's for week one. Yeah. No limitations by training camp, you know it's gonna happen. And at that point, you're gonna go. That was the time where if I held, maybe I can sell. If I don't want to risk any future performance issues, because I think the big thing with the ACLs, we've seen a lot of them impact you the next year back. You know, just just a little bit to the point where the value never explodes. So I think we need to get to 2024 before we see him like back in the graces of best running back in dynasty. But I have to acknowledge there's a couple places I wish I had them and uh, I'll have to consider taking some in startups. If I start new leagues, we
0: w- w- interesting, you bring up startups. Cause I think maybe, you know, before the injury, like an FFPC startup, w- we would have taken Justin. We had, we had, him, top, th- we had him
2: top three, field, let's face it.
0: I think like, like him being up there, ahead of jonathan taylor by a lot of people because of his pass catching ability was a warranted thing like so how far will he drop in dynasty startups um you know let's take the rookies out like i think bijan robinson will be a first round startup pick in ffpc i don't think that's an unreasonable thing for me to say but take the rookies out where would you put Brees hall if you're doing an ffpc dynasty startup tomorrow
1: I think you, if we get to the offseason and we see nobody else go down or nothing else crazy happen between now and then, top five. And I, I do think Bijan Robinson, the day he enters the league, January, he'll be the RB1. Legit, he'll go. This is the first running back off the board. You're saying
2: top five RB or top five? Like top top five
1: RBs. So wherever you slot that in, if you're playing super flex, it's probably second round, maybe early third round. Again, it, It's how teams want to also build their rosters, too. You know, I I think the cool part about running backs is we're going to get to a point where it's like, okay, somebody has to be the RB2, the RB3, the RB4, the RB5. But is that going to reflect if you get in a draft and there's nine people that don't really want to build around a running back in the first or second round, they might become a value just because Travis Etienne is the RB3 doesn't mean he goes in line with where historically the RB3 should go. And I think that's correct. So for me, yeah, I'd say RB5, but I'm probably looking at the board going, I'm not going to be picking a running back in the RB1 through 5 range. I'm going to play it like we were talking about earlier. I- I'll draft the old dead zone guys six rounds later because people don't want them.
0: That's right. You'll be the one taking Derrick Henry in like the eighth round of a startup and, and getting another, you know, top top eight season out of him.
1: Theo, and if he let- fades, he fades. You know?
0: Yeah. It- it- Th- Theo, we're, we're in the month of May right now.
2: 20, 20, I think I got my dates right. Do you
0: prefer Ramondre Stevenson or Brees Hall? You're on the clock. My friend, I would take, uh, I would take like three Ramondre Stevenson's for me to, 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 to trade Brees Hall. Like, I think that just the, the profile is, is way different with those guys. Ramondre is interesting. Um, but again, you're talking about a, a day, a day three guy Versus a day two guy, and I, uh, I don't know. I Ramondre's like, if just to put it put it like this, if you put Ramondre um, out on, on the uh, on the message boards and say you want a 2023 first for him, you're not going to get a whole lot of offers. You might get somebody biting on that, but if you put Brees Hall and say I'm selling him for picks, it's definitely sexier. Yeah, even the last place team might might make that offer for you. That's I think that's the difference. It's a good way to now. look at it.
2: Yeah. I like that. You agree, Scott? Yeah. All right. We didn't put this one on the show sheet. We missed it, but that's why we have our awesome, awesome community that tunes in on the reg. We love you guys. The Harry snowman. Appreciate you sending me Kelsey today. I, you're going to see me go from eighth to first brother I'm telling you right now. Javante out in Denver was a guy that guys were investing heavily coming into the season. I don't know. I feel like we were a bit hesitant. Theo, you can confirm or not confirm on, on the district. Not as hyped as, as the rest of Fantasyland, but now that, he, that he's injured, similar to Hall, we're seeing the offense struggle. That's kind of the tough part with Denver. So how do you handle a guy like, like Javante right now going into next season if you're a rebuild, maybe looking to buy uh, a running back?
1: I think the big difference is Javante not as explosive as Brees Hall, first thing. Uh, injury sounds worse than Brees Hall's. It sounds like his was more significant. So he's, again, I'm not a doctor, but there's a lot of people that- Scares you more, scares you more. I I think his is probably, if you had, if I had to bet, the bet that I'm making is Javante Williams' is is more closer to that 12-month injury, which the fact that it happened in late September tells me at minimum, we're getting some impact to his value next year. I don't care if he's back. I think there's enough to his profile and his injury to where dynasty managers are going to go, man. I dealt with that last year with JK Dobbins. I'm not buying until I've seen four games of him smash. And I'm not sure that's coming next year. So he, I'm much more likely to say I'm, I was, I sold every Javante share I had for any 23 first or any 24 first auto accept. Like that's how much I'm just like, I'm out. Give me the liquid asset. A pick to me, I can put it in my bank account, spend it on something else instead of being bogged down and dependent on my league market wanting Javante Williams. Because I don't think there's – we might get to May and there's not many people that still even want him then. And that's my concern with him. Just doesn't have the profile as Brees, and I don't think he's going to bounce back as strong as Brees. So, yeah, I would say I'm much more out.
0: Yeah, I think I think that that's an interesting um, one. I think I would prefer the 2023 first to Javante Williams as well. Um, I think there might end up being a cutoff when we actually, you know, maybe I would say definitely a, a mid first I'm, uh, I'm taking that over Javante, maybe a late first, you can kind of talk me into Javante, but I think that there's some, definitely some red flags that, that Scott brought up and we didn't see the elite fantasy production. Like we saw from Brees Hall with Javante ever. So like we, we see the, 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 you know, the metrics are there. The analytics are there, you know, uh, forced miss tackle rate and juke rate and everything is there, and he can catch the football. But, again, we didn't see it, and we saw him go down an injury. So, to me, like, Brees Hall looked like the next one. I don't know if I've seen that from Javante. He's a guy that I think is very talented, um, but I, I tend to agree with Scott. I think it's a player where I'd be less inclined to, to buy. Yeah, I mean, look, to me it was just Melvin Gordon's there taking
2: – Taking touches from him on the regular, uh, that just always, always kind of rub me the wrong way. Uh, I feel like we say this with every guest deal. We could literally go on. Like we haven't even, we haven't even hit everything on the show sheet. I know you have stuff that you're probably writing down. We're gonna have Scott on. We're gonna have have part two
0: when we get these prospects. That's gonna be a much more. That's going to be like a whole new like for sure. season when, when we get this amazing 2023 class. It's going to be awesome.
2: For sure. I do want to know, though, before we let him go, Scott, Turkey Bowl tomorrow, Thanksgiving, what game are you more excited for and why?
1: Man, I was just talking to somebody earlier about this, and I was like, thank goodness each one of the games has at least one team where you probably have <laughs> a player or two or ten that, that are playing across your portfolio of leagues. I, I, you know, there's always something about uh there's always something about the Lions game on Thanksgiving that I, I'm usually tuned into that first game the most, just because of the way like our family usually does Thanksgiving, and so that's the first one where it's like it's it's like the Thursday night game. The rest of your day can be dictated on. You guys have probably been there, right? You have a bunch of players on Thursday night, and they dud, yeah. and you're you're bummed for two days. You're not as excited to set your lineups the next couple days because you know you have that three in your lineup and you're going, man, if I would have just faded the narrative that every Thursday night game sucks and it's low scoring. And for the eighth straight week, I should have followed my gut and, and not thrown that guy in at the last minute. So that's always the first game for me. So it's probably that one. I think the best game, obviously, and I'm a Bengals fan. So I'm actually rooting for the Patriots to lose. Cause there's a pretty tight AFC wild card race between like seven teams, basically. So I am rooting against the Patriots. So I will, the best game I think to watch will be the Vikings Patriots, which is the last one.
0: I'm most excited for the Giants uh Cowboys, JD. I just feel like it's a uh I, I enjoy watching the Cowboys games on Thanksgiving. Um I live on Long Island, so I'll be I'll be pulling for the Giants to win that one. Uh, we talked about how the Giants schedule is so hard moving forward. So they're like seven and three, but they've got to find a way to to pull a win or two out, or I think they could be, you know, a team that that goes from seven and three to missing the playoffs. So uh that's a game I'm most excited for. I think fantasy wise. It's awesome though, because each game has, you know, big time, you know, top level fantasy talent. Uh, It's just awesome to be able to, to watch the triple header and, you know, it it brings back big memories for you as a fantasy player. And as an NFL fan, when you see like that Detroit game going off first and then the Dallas game, it's, it's, it's fantastic.
2: Yeah. There's something about the, the, the Detroit's and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, uh, but I feel like the Cowboys are going to smash. I feel like the Bills are going to smash. I feel like Diggs and Allen are going to go off like bananas off of Detroit. So like Scott, for me, the, the most interesting game is is going to be the Vikings coming off of the game they just came off of. And, and even New England coming off of like a soccer score type of game where they, they won the weirdest three to three, uh, uh, you know, took that game to, to a W. But Scott, tonight was awesome, man. We always appreciate you coming on. I know the chat was lit. You, you know we have a good guess when the porn sites start posting like girls and whatever in the chat. We know we've hit it big with with our guests, so we appreciate you coming on tonight, spending this time with us. We'd love to get you back on, uh, of course. At Charles Chill FFB, guys, go check out Scott Connor out there uh, in the fantasy land, and go check out Theo. Theo is I. I always say this, and I'll put uh, any challenge me anyone challenge me the hardest man in fantasy land is theo greminger at the og fantasy the man does it all waiver wires dynasty redraft i mean he's 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 been a, a just a just a gem to work with uh here in the district and i'm sure if you follow him out there he, he puts out some serious waiver wire action whether it's player for profiler articles or out here in the og live wires so guys we appreciate you you hanging out with us tonight. I know tonight was a big show. We'll bring you guys uh, a part two. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too, 1912. Happy Thanksgiving to Fantasyland. Hopefully, you guys have some good times with your family tonight. Hopefully, everybody's safe. Enjoy the football. For sure, enjoy the football. That's the best part, right? But uh, get some dubs, guys. Start off your week's good with, with a nice uh, blow-up game. Uh, maybe your, one of your studs gets you a big score. We appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Smash the like, the subscribe, and we'll check you all later. Scott, real quick, just because you're awesome, what's your thing? What's happening tomorrow at the uh, at the Connor house?
1: I'll oh, pretty low key. Actually, just going to my uh, wife's family's house for Thanksgiving, so I'll probably get to watch most of the first game. And uh, I think we have four main events that have had the Dallas defense. So that, that, that's honestly <laughs> what I'm what I'm looking forward to the most is like the because it just feels it just feels like a. a a, a game the Giants could just get wrecked, doesn't it? It's yeah, gonna be astonishing.
2: Oh yeah.
0: You you also you had a decent amount. Am I wrong on this You had A decent amount of Saquon in in redraft this year? Mm. No. Okay. Got maybe I got it confused. I got some Saquon rocking. I'm a little worried. It Chris um, Vaccaro it
1: has a ton of Saquon.
0: Yes. Chris Chris has a exceptional amount of saquon yes i yeah, listen to saquon. every
1: week and he's going like i heard him this week saying man he was so excited for that detroit matchup and it, it was so depressing because he didn't smash he said he had you know 25 30 locked into all his teams and i was like that's yeah, rough man yeah it's
2: super rough dan and i have barkley on our 10 and 1 uh big money league in the goat leagues yeah, it's I mean, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging or anything. Just
0: by the way, did I say did I mention we're 10 and 1? I don't know. Just big time. Big time, JD. Yeah, I got some Saquon rocking. That early game is going to be very tilting. I feel like I've got pieces of both team. Um, you know, you need to get that early start. I feel like we could get like a, you know, let's talk it into existence. Let's get like a like a 42-28 game. Have like a real fun opening game. I think that'll be just an awesome way to start things. I think that's what it might be. I think that's what we
2: yeah. might get.
1: Hopefully, I think we might get a, uh, a DJ Chark game tomorrow. Just throwing it out there.
0: Ooh, Ooh. Love, love that. Would love yep. that. Ooh, yep.
2: we'll end it. We'll end it with that. That's 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 a little hot take for those DFSers out there. That's good stuff right there.